Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. I'm going to ask my good friend, Berry Finn, otherwise known as Dan Urquhart, to come and read the word to us. And just as he comes, I just want to let you know, ladies, that... Um, Many of you jumped online to buy a ticket for Shine and it was gone. And so uh, there is overflow next door on the big screen and there will be live speakers in there as well. The good thing about that is it's $20 cheaper and as restrictions ease, you get first upgrade into this um, live part and with no extra cost. So just bear that in mind. Dan, would you come? And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living within the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Dear friends, I'm not writing a new commandment for you. Rather, it is an old one you have had from the very beginning. This, com- this com- old commandment to love one another is the same message you have heard before, yet it is also new. Jesus lived the truth of this commandment, and you also are living it, for the darkness is disappearing and the true light is already shining. If anyone claims, I'm living in the light, but hates a fellow believer, that person is still living in darkness. Anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light, and does not cause others to stumble. But anyone who hates a fellow believer is still living and walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go, having been blinded by the darkness. I'm writing to you who are God's children, because your sins have been forgiven through Jesus. I'm writing to you who are mature in the faith, because you know Christ, who existed from the beginning. I'm writing to you who are young in the faith because you have won your battle with the evil one. I have written to you who are God's children because you know the Father. I've written to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. I've written to you who are young in the faith because you are strong and God's word lives in your hearts and you have won your battle with the evil one. Then God said, yep. Sorry. Thank you. That's awesome. Thank you, Erky. Can we thanks Ir- thank Erx, wherever you are? Thank Erky. It's always a good day when someone in pluggers steps up to the pulpit. Um, <laughs> the title of this morning's message is I Am Who You Say I Am. And it's brought to you by Pastor Mike Matamaini in Gunnada, uh, and also secondarily my son Lockie, because if you ask either of them, how are you? And one as a result of the other, they will say, does anyone... Strong and blessed, strong and blessed, there it is. Unlike me, if you ask me how I am, I will rack my brain for something negative because I don't want you to think that my life is perfect and I want to show you that I can be vulnerable so that if you feel that you need to be vulnerable in the moment that you have the opportunity to be. So even if things are going awesome, I still will tell you all the bad things about my life and I need prayer. So if you could help with that, that'd be great. Um, And in fact, let's pray for this message. Lord, we just ask that you would quicken your word to us and Lord, that we would go out, change. You say that your word does not return void. So we have an expectation around what's going to happen in our hearts because of what you say in Jesus' name. 
Well, we saw in the intro vid for 1 John, we're in the second week of our 1 John series, that a major theme of 1 John is love. What to pay? Just love. Love, just love. How about a car? Just love. And uh, love gets covered in 1 John in a major way. Um, so I'm going to address John's digression that Erky just read in 1 John chapter 2, verse 12 to 14. Two, three short verses. And he kind of digresses in the middle of his letter. In the middle of his letter, he decides to let everybody know who he's writing to. And it's kind of like, John, your contemporaries, Paul, um, Peter, even Jude, they kick off their letters by saying who they are and who they're writing to. But you want to leave it till partway through chapter two to let everybody know why is that? Well, if you read the first parts, it's like he's addressing the people who are saying the wrong thing to the church. And he's just gone in all passion. He's just writing to them all passion and letting them know what's going on. And it's like his wife's brought him a cup of tea halfway through. I don't know if John had a wife, so don't quote me on that one. But she's brought him a cup of tea, looked over his shoulder and gone, John, who are you writing to? And he's like, oh, oh yeah, I'm writing to the people who are saved, the people who have followed Jesus and I'm writing to tell them. So he kind of digresses in the middle of it to let them know that, that when he's talking about those who live in darkness and all that kind of thing, that, that oh, I'm writing to you guys though. There's people like that, but I'm writing to you guys. And I hope that that's us this morning. I hope that he's writing to us guys because you know what I know is that I, most Christians I know and Christian leaders, they're trying to do the right thing when they give their message. They've got this tension going on and it's really difficult. They want to give a really positive message. They don't want the Christian message to be that of rules and regulations and legislation and guilt. Uh, They want it to be one of freedom and life and light and love. But the difficulty is, is unless you address the fact that there's a problem, then why does anybody need a fix to that? So they're carrying this tension of there's something wrong, but also um, there's a way to have that made right without trying to come across as negative. And if you know in our culture that a lot of Christians are seen as fun-stopping, prohibitive, restrictive kind of people. And and to so to, to hear a message of you need something fixed in you just reinforces that. But in fact, unless we recognise that, why would we even need a saviour? Well, just as we don't see the world as it is, we see the world as we are. Just as we don't read the Bible as it is, we read the Bible as we are. So too do we not receive the message as the message is, but as we are. And when I heard the concept of total depravity, when I heard that concept, I was a sigh of relief. Oh, the freedom. The, the concept of total depravity is not, it's that we're not people who get it wrong occasionally. We're not people who are largely good, but we get it wrong occasionally. But we're people who are fundamentally flawed and messed up. And so for me, that was freedom because I knew the stuff that was going on in my life. And I needed to know that. I needed to know that that's why there was a saviour because I needed the freedom that came with, oh, everybody's messed up. Okay, great. We can move forward from here. But if I had been largely great and living largely right, I think I would have received that as a negative message. And maybe here this morning, you're someone who largely gets it right majority of the time, 99.9% of the time. And you're like, that concept of total depravity sounds negative to me. Well, we're not here this morning to arrive at a position on total depravity because that happens in chapter 3, Genesis chapter 3 where humanity stuffs it up and gets it wrong. I want us to go back to Genesis chapter 1. 
from verse 26 in the poem account of creation. Genesis 1, 26. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea. Daniel Common said, yes, amen. I will get all the fish out of the sea that I can. The birds in the sky, the livestock and all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in His own image. In the image of God, He created them, male and female, He created them. And then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, look, I've given you every seed bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your fruit. Fruit. (laughs) And I have given every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky and the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life. And that is what happened. Then God looked over all he had made and said that it was very good. God looked at you, He looked at me, He looked at male and female humanity and said, whoa, that's very good. That is very good. He looked at us in whose image He was made and said, that is very good. Now, two short chapters later, we see that humanity decides not to trust in God and and decides to go against what He said and decides to put their trust in themselves and decides that that would be a better bet for them, that they would actually look to themselves to judge good and evil rather than to God and trust in Him. And, and then decay entered the, the world. And that's where corruption came in, corruption of us, corruption of creation. And you go, Brian, I don't like it. I don't like that talk. Can I just encourage you to look around the world? Can you see the corruption that exists in our world? Can you see the evil that exists in our world? I don't think any of us can deny that it's there. And so we we need to acknowledge it. Well, He in whose image we were made, He in whose image we were made appears to Moses generations later. Moses had grown up in Pharaoh's court and in Pharaoh's court, they worshipped the sun god Ra. Somebody say Ra. <laughs> That's great. Um, but the sun god Ra was like this bird man with a sun on its head and a big beak and it held a stick. And they worshipped this sun god. And, and so Moses, growing up in that environment, he's out in the wilderness after he's killed a man in Egypt. And he's, he's racing around out there in the wilderness. And he finds a bush that is being, it's on fire, but it's not being consumed. Well, Moses, who's been worshipping worshiping the sun god, the sun god made of fire. Obviously, fire was the big thing. But here is a bush that's not being burnt up. And Moses comes along and God meets him where his understanding of who God is and then teaches him a better story because the bush isn't being consumed by the fire. And Moses is in front of the bush and he says, well, what's your name to the voice that's coming out of this burning bush? And God says, I am, I am. Now, I am, me now, <laughs> I am someone that did very well in English, but I, I came in that gap of education where they didn't teach you about grammar. There was about a six year gap where they stopped teaching you about grammar. So I don't know what a tense is from a participle and a verb from an adjective. No, actually I got those two sorted, but the rest I have no idea. But what I read about this I am is that it was a perfect tense. It's a perfect tense. So it's like when he says I am, it's like I was, I am, and I will be. A continuous perfect tense. I, I be, I bead, I be, and I will be. As you can see, top 1% of the state, English right there. <laughs> I, it's this perfect continuous tense. 
And, and so when he says, I am, he is making a statement for all time. We need to bear that in mind as we continue to look. We're made in his image. He said it is very good and then corruption entered the world. So how did that get dealt with? In Romans chapter 5, verse 12, it says this. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. That's what we're just talking about. That's when corruption came in. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone for everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and His gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I don't know, but I think we should say thank you right now. Right standing. He's brought us into right standing. So it was very good. Then there was corruption. But for those of us who would enter in through Jesus Christ, there is now right standing. If you've said yes to Jesus, you are standing right before God. It's incredible. And so back to John's digression that Erky read us through. He's talking to people in the church. And he says this in verse 12. I'm writing to you who are God's children because your sins have been forgiven through Jesus. I'm writing to you who are God's children. Now, God's children doesn't mean just the little kids, just the babies even who are just new on the page with Jesus, just just given their lives to God just said, I wanna go your way instead of my way. It's not just to those little children, it's to the whole of them. Because in 1 John chapter 2, verse one, it says, but dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you don't sin. But if you do, and you probably will, but if you do, there is one who stands in your defence at the right hand of the Father interceding for you day and night. So it's saying it to all of us that you have been forgiven through Jesus. So I am who you say I am. Can you say I am forgiven? <laughs> Australians. Can we say it louder? I am forgiven. Yeah, we've got to own this stuff, you know. When Pastor Mike says, I'm strong and blessed, he does not do the mumble that we just did in this room. He says, strong and blessed, Pastor. Oh, I don't know if that's allowed. Um, <laughs> okay, forgiven. We are forgiven. But while we're doing accents, can we just appreciate Christelle's accent if anyone listened to the contemplative prayer yesterday? Forgive not only our sins, but the sins of the whole world. Oh, it was beautiful. Um, yeah, it's probably not okay anymore. Okay, uh, forgiven, forgiven. We are forgiven, deserving. Are we deserving of this forgiveness? No, it's on account of His name. A different version says, I'm writing to you who are God's children because your sins have been forgiven on account of His name. It's not on account of what you've done. It's on account of His name. Church, I think sometimes... We just get a bit familiar with the concept of grace. We just get a bit familiar with God's forgiveness. But to be forgiven is incredible. Maybe you don't yet live under God's grace. Maybe you're someone who still just feels like every time you don't adhere to the rules that you've gotten it wrong and that you are out of God's presence and thrust into darkness until you do your penance to come back. But being under God's grace is magnificent. Listen to this, what the psalmist wrote, Psalm 32. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. 
I want to read it to you from the message this morning. Count yourself lucky. How happy you must be. You get a fresh start. Your slate's wiped clean. Count yourself lucky. God holds nothing against you and you're holding nothing back from Him. Can you identify with this next verse? When I kept it all inside, my bones turned to powder and my words became day-long groans. The pressure never let up. All the juices of my life dried up. Then I let it all out. I said, I'll make a clean breast of my failures to God. Suddenly the pressure was gone. My guilt dissolved. My sin disappeared. Can you just think of that day? Could you remember that day when you didn't have to carry your sin anymore? You didn't have to bear your wrongdoing anymore. Is anyone else excited about that this morning? Can you remember that? Oh, it just makes me so happy. I remember what it was like to try and carry my own sin and my own shame, to try and get it right by myself, to forget that there was someone standing in my defence and praying on my behalf. That's not where we need to live anymore. We are forgiven. We are forgiven. Secondly, in the passage that we read, it says, I write to you, dear God's children, because your sins have been forgiven. I'm writing to you who mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. You know Christ. If you're on in your faith walk, and that doesn't necessarily mean on in years in your faith walk, I've seen people whose growth is accelerated in their faith walk and I've seen people who have been Christians for years who are still at the same place that they were. So it's those who have been putting into practice what God has asked them to do, who mature in faith. It says, you know Christ who existed from the beginning. Now for these guys, this was very possibly people who knew Jesus, knew, knew Jesus, like saw Him when He walked, you know, got to eat meals with Him, got to stick their finger in the side where the spear had gone and, and put their fingers in the holes in the palms of His hands. Quite possibly John's writing to those people. I'm writing to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ. They, they could have possibly known Him like John did. But it's also talking further down I'm writing to you who are God's children because you have known the Father. So anyone who is God's child has the ability and the capacity to know God. What? What? Like how can we possibly get to know God? And we need to recapture some of the wonder of this. It's great to come to church. It's great to get a barista coffee. It's great that we don't even have to stand up in worship anymore. <laughs> get us some recliners, I say, government. <laughs> oh, this is great. But, but we need to recapture the awe and wonder of sins forgiven, lives set free, living without guilt and shame. Oh my goodness. Oh, I wouldn't want to live any other way anymore. I couldn't go back to it. I've I, I tried. And God just keeps on chasing me down and bringing me back. Jesus makes Himself known. We are able to know God. Verse 15 of John chapter 15 says, Jesus talking, Jesus talking. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I've learned from my Father, I have made known to you. We are forgiven and we can know God. You this morning can know God. You're like, no, there's no way. I've got to stay in my place. He's got to stay in His place. The never the twain can be. No, no, no. You can know God. He calls you His friend. He wants to share His plans with you. He wants to tell you what He wants for your life. He's got a plan. 
Now, this word know is used 222 times in the New Testament in various ways. But it's talking about a deep intimacy. Sometimes it's talking about a physical intimacy. When the angel appeared to Mary and said, Mary, you're going to have a baby. And she said, but I've never known a man. It's talking about kind of deep intimacy. Uh, when Jesus was talking to people and He said, he, he says something, they say something, but He says something different because He perceived, He knew what was in their hearts. He had a deep understanding of the inside of them. Um, also, um, he says to the disciples, I'm going to make known the mysteries of God to you. That's the kind of know that we're talking about. You can know God. It's not like this high and lofty, from a distance, the world looks blue and green. I don't know if that's the words. Year five choir, Bette Midler sang from a distance and we sang it too. Um, thank you, Mrs. Hilton. Beautiful harmonies. Um, and... But, but, but He's not just up there from a distance. Yes, His ways are higher than our ways. Yes, His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. But He says, I want you to know me. I, I'm making myself available to be known by you. And He brings us into that kind of relationship. You don't give your heart in pieces is a song that we sing here. And that is true of our God. He doesn't give His heart in pieces. He doesn't hide Himself to tease us. He makes Himself available and He rushes in. So when He says, you are forgiven, and that you know God. He means you are forgiven and you know God. And also, back to that passage, he says, Dear children, I'm writing to you because your sins have been forgiven through Jesus. I'm writing to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. I'm writing to you who are young in the faith because you, are bat- you have won your battle with the evil one. You might say, Bron, <laughs> I'm young in my faith. I'm telling you right now, I have not won my battle with the evil one. Um, I am who you say I am. I have won my battle with the evil one because it doesn't depend on you. It depends on Him. And it depends on you accessing every victory that He has for you rather than you fighting and slogging it out on your own. And so you don't just slog it out and get it wrong and I'm losing the battle, I'm losing the battle. No, no, you've already won and you're just walking into the victory that He has already won for you. You have won your battle with the evil one. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 says, uh, a final word, okay? A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Not be strong in yourself and resist everything you can. No, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Philippians 4.13 says, For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. And Colossians 1.11 says that we're being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might so that you might have great endurance and patience. It says... I'm writing to you who are God's children because your sins have been forgiven through Jesus. I'm writing to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. I'm writing to you who are young in the faith because you've won your battle with the evil one. It feels like John quickly ducked out of the room and came back and forgot where he'd left off because he writes all the same stuff again. He says, I've written to you who are God's children because you know the Father. I've written to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. I've got deja vu. I've written to you who are young in the faith because you are strong. God's Word lives in your hearts and you have won your battle with the evil one. I am who you say I am. You see, God looked at us after He created us and He said, it is very good. And then we messed it up 
and it got corrupted and decay entered our world. And we've been living in that decay in the midst of it ever since. But then Christ came and redeemed us. And He said that, that actually now grace enters in and now I've put you in right standing with me. And then John comes along in this passage and digresses in three verses to the church and says, you are forgiven, you know God and you have overcome. And the thing about this, these statements are that they're the same continuous perfect tense that God used when He said, I am, I be, I be, I will be. And these are the same. You have been forgiven and you are being forgiven. This is continuing. It wasn't just a one-time thing that my sacrifice for you meant that you are forgiven continuously. That you know God, you knew Him at the moment that you came to Jesus Christ and you are continuing to know Him as you carry out His commands and you carry out His commands as you are forgiven and you love Him and that'll get easier and easier as you know Him more and love Him more. You have been forgiven, you are being forgiven, you have known God and you know God and you have overcome. You overcame the moment you said yes to Jesus. That was your overcoming because I won the battle for you and now you are continuing to overcome until I come back. We are forgiven and we are being forgiven. We were made friends with God and we continue to be friends. And we were fighters and we continue to fight the fight and we continue to win because it's actually already been won for us. Church, I hope this morning that you can recognise that you are who He says you are. And when we declare things like, oh, I'm just a sinner saved by grace, you're so much more than that. You're forgiven. You know God and you're an overcomer. Oh, you know what? I just do my best. No, no, no. You're forgiven. You know God and you're an overcomer. This morning in this place, you are forgiven and you know God and you're an overcomer. And it happens simply because you said yes to Him. You said, I don't want to go my way anymore. I want to go your way. So this morning, I'm going to pray for a revelation of that for you. And then after I pray for that, I'm just going to give people an opportunity if they want to um, make that decision. So if we could close our eyes just to block out any distractions because we're about to see a young man go through the waters of baptism to display publicly the fact that he's made this decision to follow Jesus. And I'm just going to pray for you all. Lord, so many times we feel like we're scraping through or it's a fight or, or, or even that we lose the wonder and the awe of what Your grace-filled life looks like. Lord, would You quicken all that to us again, that we are victorious, that we have been forgiven and we are being forgiven and that we know You, the God of all creation. Would You quicken that to us? We are Your friends. And Lord, will You help us not take grace for granted, but live in the wonder of being forgiven in Jesus' Name. So this morning here, if there's anyone who's like, yeah, I need to kick that off. I need to start this relationship with Jesus. I need to be forgiven. I want to know God and I want to overcome. Well, this morning you can actually know the peace that He brings and puts in your relationship. You can know the promise of eternity and you can know the power for this life to live it as God wants you to. So everywhere this morning, in every location and maybe in homes and even in this room this morning, as we close our eyes, block our distractions, as everyone who's made this decision is praying for people yet to make it. If that is you, 
I'm going to pray a prayer. We're all going to pray this together. If we could please all pray this together. But I'd love you to pray from the bottom of your heart. Dear God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that I'm forgiven as I put you first. Lord, I ask now for you to forgive my sins. To give me a fresh start. To give me a clean slate. I want to go your way and not my way. I want you to be Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, Amen. And if you made that decision, really, you know, it's public, it's a decision to be made known. It's a decision in your heart, but a decision to be made known. And it would be great if you could let someone uh, in your location or here know this morning that you've made that decision. Or just jump online and, and message and let somebody know that that's the decision you've made because we want to help you with that decision. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.